You're listening to the One Man Show Network. Wow, welcome to a special edition of Aaron Says What, where Aaron asks what with Benny Tortorich. Amazing interview. You know what? Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. I am here with Vinny Tortorich, a celebrity fitness trainer, the godfather of NSNG. He has a book out called Fitness Confidential, a book I have personally read and was a true inspiring story. Host of the popular podcast, celebrity fitness trainer, motivational speaker, cancer survivor. What what am I missing here, sir? Wow. I I, I you know, I need you to walk around with me and just <laughs> Tell, yeah, uh, yeah. You go through life, you know. I have a pretty unassuming life, and then you hear that, and you go, "Wow, that guy made me sound good." Hey man, <laughs> well, you've uh, you've helped me to uh, feel good, so uh, we're even. Whenever I go to a party, uh, people say, "So, what do you do?" It's like, uh huh. Uh, here's my buddy Aaron. He'll tell you what I do. Hey, if I if here's we ever a- if I ever come to LA, you have to take me, and then I'll I'll make sure I introduce you everywhere I go. <laughs> You know, it's funny. It's like uh, you mentioned the book and all that, and the book became a, a really big deal. You know, much to my surprise, and we didn't think the book was going to sell a single copy. And Fitness Confidential kind of knocked it out of the park. And now, when I go to parties, people go, "Yeah, so who are you? What do you do? What do you do for a living?" I go, "Oh, I'm, I'm a fitness trainer," and then. People around me go, oh, he's being, you know, do you know what he wrote in that book and his pocket? It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, I'm a fitness trainer at the end of the day. That's that's what I do. Um, anyway, go on. Oh, I was going to say, you know, like I told my wife, it's not really a diet book at all. It's, it's a life book. It's very motivational for me. Um, you know, it, it goes into the NSNG, but it's not an eat this, eat that type of book. And, uh, I mean, your story is really inspiring to me. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, one of the only criticisms, I don't know if you've ever read any Amazon reviews on the book. I have. Well, as you know, like, if you look at the overall reviews, it's got over 1,100 reviews. Um, I was, I was told 1,100, by the way. You I were which one? one or two. Which one? I was almost 1,100. I think I missed it by one or two. Well... You know, if you look at the reviews, uh, you, you know, out of 11, I mean, they tell you if you get 100 reviews, you've killed it. You know, like you really, and the fact that the book is at 1,100 reviews is is a testament to how much people liked it. And it's got a 4.7 rating out of 5. So it's got a very high review rating. But every now and then you will read a bad review. And I understand those bad reviews, you know, because people go, well, he didn't tell us what to eat and what to do and what. Well, it wasn't that kind of book. It was never meant to be a go eat this, stop eating that. Here's how it was just the book was kind of written in a vacuum, if you will. Um, We when I wrote it with my writing partner, Dean Laurie. And uh, what I did is I put together 40,000 words of notes. So I had almost a book full of notes. Most books are barely fifty-five or 60,000 words. I had that in notes. Wow. 
And then Dean and I sat down and started fleshing out those notes. And we got well over 100,000 words, and then we chopped it down to about 70. And, you know, I, I was so tired of reading fitness books where they tell you, you know, eat this, don't eat that. This is what you can do. Here's the trickery. And I'm not about trickery. We, we wrote the book as if, you know how they say dance like no one is looking? Yeah. Uh, we wrote a book as if no one would ever read it. You know, it's like, what if we just wanted to write a book and didn't care what the hell anyone ever thought about it? What would we write? And um, that's what we wrote. And it was largely panned by every book company. They said, you'll never sell a copy. That book will never sell. We, As a matter of fact, uh, two of the bigger companies, uh, Simon Schuster and HarperCollins, uh, offered me a two-book deal if I were to take the book and break it into two and then rewrite both books. <clears throat> Most people would take that deal yeah, because it's a two-book deal. You get paid twice. And uh, Dean and I looked at it and said, no, we think we wrote a good book. And, you know, we don't mind doing a little editing and let you guys do a little editing, but no book has ever been written like this. And uh, so we put it out there ourselves. We did what they told us. Uh, I think someone at Penguin Press said to me, because Penguin was kind of chomping at the bit also, they said, you, you've committed literary suicide by putting it out yourself. Wow. You won't sell a copy. Good luck getting anyone past your mother to buy a copy is what I was told. Uh, then the book went past 10,000 copies and my agent called him back and they said, oh, okay, he got lucky and all of his friends on the podcast bought one. Then the book went past 20 and 30 and 40,000 copies. And now the book agent, my book agent is talking to the, you know, oh, yeah, 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 you know, man bites dog. That happens every now and then in, in the world of, self-published, but they never make it to 50,000. Well, then we got to 60 and 70,000 <laughs> books sold, and they were like, wait a minute, how's he doing that? And then it went past 100,000, and in this day and age, to get past 100,000 sales on anything mm -hmm. is incredible, right? So uh, I'm, I'm bragging right now, but I, I'm so happy about this book because – we got it into hands of people. It's motivated people like you, Aaron, and, and that's what really matters. Yeah. I mean, I, I will tell you this. I uh, I read that book and it was like – the best thing I liked that is like you and I were having a conversation almost. I could you – know, and of course, here we are right now having a conversation, which is incredible by the way. But I mean that book just related to me on such a, such a level that I'm like, you know, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your journey with it. How much weight have you lost? How do you feel? How long have you been doing it? When did you find the book? How did you find me? <laughs> well, I How found did you find me on what a walk listening to the Adam Carolla podcast, as many of your listeners have. And I, I was, you know, I was struggling. I had neck surgery about a year and a half ago, and I kept trying to get back into the gym. And, and it, I'm good now. It's, uh, you know, I'm still limited in what I can do. And finally, I'm like, okay, what? I know people exercise. I, if I can't run sprints, if I can't do this, what do people do? So I started walking. And then I'm on a walk, and I'm listening to you on the Adam Carolla, and you start talking about cycling. I'm like, I can do that. I, I used to ride a bike all over the place. And uh, 
you know, so I started doing that. And then I started cleaning up my diet. And I used to eat pretty good before, but I exercised a lot and it kind of balanced out in the end. But I, I, I guess what did it for me is I saw a picture of myself. I, I always say, here's a Vinnyism for you. Mirrors lie, pictures don't. Because you kind of see what you want to see. And uh, I just, once I started cleaning up my diet, the weight started flying off. And then something else kind of hit me the other day. I heard your podcast with Nicole Racine the other day. And I'm thinking, you know, it's not really 30 pounds of weight I put on. It's worse than that. I lost a lot of muscle mass. So what I'm seeing now is I'm, I'm starting to stall a little bit, but I think I'm evening out. You know, I'm starting to still look better, but my weight's kind of, you know, staying the same. Yeah, you know, you know, people always rely on the scale too much, and they don't realize that when you start working out, you're putting on muscle mass. Lean muscle mass is very important, especially as you age. You know, people tend to lose a pound of muscle per person per year after their 30th birthday, and that does not have to happen. Uh, the reason that statistic is, exists is because people slow down. They sit around more. They don't think – you know, I remember – my parents, when my parents were in their, you know, 40s, I was like a teenager, and uh, I would say to my mom, you know, hey, we're going water skiing. Would you like to come sit on the boat? Oh, mom is too old to do that. Mom, you know, getting on and off that boat, that's that's difficult for mama. You know, that's what I would hear. Um, can you hear? And let's see. Oops, I just turned it off again. Vinny, are you there? Uh oh. All right. I what I am going to try to do is yeah. oh, there you're there. I, I I can hear you now. Can okay. you hear me? Yes, sir. I turned off my video. Yeah, mine's off too. Where did you lose me? Uh, you're talking about your mom and the boat. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Well, I don't know how much people miss, but. At 40 and 42, I would say to my mom, hey, would you like to come on the boat? We're going water skiing type of thing. I'd say, oh, mama's too old to get on and off those small boats. And they rock around too much and getting on and getting on. Oh, that's difficult, you know, because my mom was gaining weight back then. Yeah. And she was moving in her 40s. It, it, she, it was somewhat cumbersome for her to, to like, go from a pier to jump onto a small ski boat and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. That was just riding in a boat was a step too far for my mom when she was 40. You know, and I used to think when I was a kid, well, when you hit 40, you're old. Well, hell, when I was 40, I was still, you know, doing mountain bike racing and, and that whole type of thing, you know, um, for, you know, 24 hour mountain bike racing. And when I was 45, I was still doing things and 50 and, and so on and so forth. So, I, you know, at 53, I never understood, you know, what it what it meant. You know, when people say, oh, I'm getting too old for that. Too old for what? <laughs> you know, your body could keep doing whatever you want it to do if you just keep doing your part. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and what goes into that is obviously what you put in your body. Oh, oh uh, by, by a large measure. Um Hell, at 53, I still eat, you know, as if I'm an athlete. Yeah. And I still do athletic things. And it, it really matters, you know, if, if you don't want to have fat on your body. And, and this, you know, look, I'm, I'm as 
as lean and as ripped at 53 as I was at 43 or, or 23. So actually, I was heavier when I was 23 because I was playing football and I gained a little weight after football. Yeah. And that was my whole beginning of my journey to say, hey, I, I want to go through life not looking like an ex-football player with a big gut. You know, that's perfect you say that, by the way, because my wife was asking me about you. I was telling her, you know, we, we started interacting on Twitter and – so I start trying to explain. I go, you know what? Go back to the last podcast, and you really gave a good, a good little description there. Uh, and that was the same podcast with with Nicole, obviously. But it's just a great story. It's just such a relatable story. Now I I have a question for you. So you are nicknamed America's angriest trainer. You say at the beginning of every podcast, you're angry because our good intentions are have been stolen, and you're here to get them back. Would you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, you know when I um. When we wrote the book, um, you know, I, Dean would ask me all the time, what, what's wrong with fitness? And I would say, well, everything, because everyone's in it just to make a dime. And everyone's trying to, ever since Kenneth Cooper coined the phrase aerobics, he took a Greek word meaning with oxygen and coined that phrase and got rich off of that phrase. Everyone's been trying to figure out how to get rich on fitness. Uh, and at the detriment to everyone else, you know, we have all of these products, we have everything from, you know, you turn on television, you can buy any kind of machinery and, you know, there's all of these goops and powders and potions that you're supposed to take. And I've been in this business my entire life, well over 35 years as a, as a professional, but I was doing it even before that back in the early 70s as a kid. And I've never known any product to actually work. Um, you know, you look around the gym, you see people drinking this stuff between sets and all this, you know, eating bars while they're working out. You know, it's not supposed to be that way. You eat yourself a couple of eggs, you get to the gym and you work out and let nature take its, take its course. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel awful that people want to do the right thing, but their good intentions have been stolen by the very industry that they they count on to tell them what to do yeah i mean so you're telling me you don't need the fancy protein powder you don't need a shake weight you don't need to eat eight meals a day exactly yeah all of everything you just said right just take that you know i mean the shake weight that's not gonna work <laughs> looks like you're trying to jerk off a dumbbell uh -huh. And, you know, protein powder, people go, well, you know, I get on Twitter all the time, a thousand times a day, what type of protein powder do you use? And, and people go, what, you don't use any? It's like, no. Why use a bastardized product, something that's, you know, number one, it's not even natural. It's, you know, it had to be, they took protein and just bastardized the crap out of it. Why not just, <laughs> you know, eat an egg or have some red meat? You know, I always call red meat the poor man's EPO. Do you know what EPO is? I do not. EPO is the drug um, that people like Lance Armstrong took. You know when oh, they talk yes, about yes, blood yes. doping? Okay, yep. And, the, you know, when cyclists blood dope, you know, they're taking all these products to make themselves faster. The product they're taking – okay, well, the product they're taking is called EPO. And – EPO basically causes your red blood cells to magnify, and the red blood cells carry more oxygen to your muscles. Therefore, Lance Armstrong can keep cheating and keep beating people in cycling, right? 
Right. Well, red meat is literally a poor man's EPO. <laughs> it's almost like you're cheating by eating red meat. You know, the thing that doesn't work is when you try to take a powdered protein. I don't care if it's egg protein or whey protein or hemp protein or from, you know, green peas or whatever. It's never going to be anywhere near as good as if you ate bacon, eggs, red meat, and so on and so forth. Well, I guess if they think, you know, they're healthier doing it out of a blender, they could blend all that stuff together maybe. But uh, I, uh, you know, I used to do the protein powders. The only thing that would really give me at the end of the day is terrible indigestion. Yeah, pretty much. And, it, you know, usually they have to put sugar or something in it to make it taste good. There's other chemicals to stabilize it once they bastardize it. And it, it just doesn't work. And you're taking something, you're compromising your health by taking something that you thought was good. Right. Again, they have stolen your good intentions. No, absolutely. Um, so now I, I see these challenges on Facebook and they're, they're talking about they're doing NSNG for 30 days and they're posting the results, how they're feeling great, they're doing great. And then what kills me at the end of that 30 days, it's like, okay, well, that was good. I'm, I'm done now. I mean, you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stop that. You know, you can't, you know, I, I've purposely not let NSNG be a diet, right? I, I don't want it to ever become a, a quote unquote diet. No, no. That, that would not be a good thing. Uh, because then people want to know what can I have within the diet? NSNG is a lifestyle. Absolutely. It, basically, you can eat whatever you want, you just cut out sugars and grains, and then you have to turn it into a sport. <laughs> Where are the hidden sugars and grains? You know, like people will say, well, you say fat is good. And I had a, you know, I, I had a blue cheese dressing on my salad. Right. Well, the blue cheese part of the dressing was good. But guess what? Most commercially available salad dressings that make blue cheese, even the ones you think are healthy from like Whole Foods and what have you, is full of high fructose corn syrup. That's usually like the one of the first one or two ingredients on the bottle. Yeah. And it'll say zero sugars when you look under, you know, the, you know, the percentages. But if you look under the ingredients, it's a whole different story. And basically, I try to teach people to, to read those things better. Well, I, I have people asking me to, you know, what am I doing? And I always say, look, I'm not an expert, but here's what I'm doing. And then every time it's the same thing, just about 100% of the time, they start negotiating with me. <laughs> You know, well, maybe if I just eat bread in the morning or, you know, I, I do this. Or I drink one or two sodas a day and I, you know, I don't know what else to say except for don't come back to me when it's not working. Well, yeah, everybody want nobody wants to have to give up, especially when you're addicted to these different chemicals. Um, I don't know if you follow my Twitter, but I try I to answer most questions unless they're completely ridiculous, uh, you know, or if someone's yelling at me for just being me. Um but, you know, like I just answered one this morning where a guy, a guy asked me yesterday, so no bread. And I wrote back, okay, yeah, no bread. And then he goes, uh, today he writes to me, well, let's say I wanted to have an egg and I wanted to wrap it in, in a flour tortilla. And I didn't even have to answer him. Someone else started yelling at him, what part of grains do you not get? Yeah. When he says no bread, that means no bread. And I went, thank you, sir. I didn't, you know, so other people will start yelling at people for me, which is kind of interesting. Well, I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't realize a grain was a grain. I thought Ezekiel bread it, it was better than, you know, regular bread. But 
you know, apparently that's not the case, is it? No, it's not. You know, whenever, you know, people think hippie foods are better than regular people food. Look at the people that work there, though. Yeah, exactly. And I say that in the book. You know, it's like, look at look at the hippie types who are telling you to eat Ezekiel bread. Do you want to look like that guy? They, most of them look homeless. They you do. Know? They look malnutrition. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you, we come up with all these things. You know, that's why, um, you know, when, I'm actually, I, I was told a couple of weeks ago, I'm now in the Urban Dictionary for the term F. Quinoa. Oh, yes. Um, That's my favorite question. You can say the F word here. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I I somehow inadvertently coined the phrase fuck quinoa. (laughs) Um, Because early on in the podcast, I'm sure you haven't gone back the whole 600 shows to listen to the beginning. I have not. um, Early on, I said to Anna, and within the first couple of shows, I said, you know, look. I said, Anna, let's – and by the way, we had no reason to think this podcast was going to get big four years ago when we started, but – I said, Anna, let's say this podcast got really big and Kellogg's came to me with a million dollars saying, hey, I want you to talk about Frosted Flakes and Corn Flakes on your show. Do you think I should do it? And she goes, I don't know. What do you think? I said, no, fuck Kellogg's. And I told Anna, I said, if they offered me a million dollars, I would say no. Now, if they offered me $2 million, I would say yes. And I would advertise them and then I would use the $2 million to do good. To teach people the right thing. Right. Um, it would just be stupid not to. Right. So then shortly after that, the podcast started getting bigger and bigger, and people started saying, you know, what about quinoa? Quinoa, quinoa, because we started getting a big vegan following. Right. And they vegans, as I said to Dr. Drew on his show, veganism is just a convenient way to have an eating disorder where people won't judge you. And <laughs> You know, look, veganism doesn't work. I know you think it works, but it doesn't work. Right. I talk to vegans. I talk to ex-vegans every day who they they felt good at first when they got off of their crappy diet of eating all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, food with with chemicals in them. And they they went to juicing and then a, a cleanse and all this other crap and then became vegan. And, oh, my God, I felt great. But then six months down the road, they're not feeling great anymore. Right. It's because veganism doesn't really work on a large scale. But I deal with a lot of vegans because some people sometimes you have to deal with vegans on vegans' terms, right? And some people's like, look, I just can't eat an animal. I can't eat something that had eyes and can look at me in the face. And I say, like, okay, I get that. So I teach vegans how to eat NSNG. And one of the big questions they'll give me right in the middle of it is, what about quinoa? Quinoa is full of protein. No, quinoa does not have that much protein. It's got more protein than any other dead grain out there. But it's not going to satisfy your protein needs. Now, do they understand? Vegans, I got to understand that lettuce has a head as well, right? Right, but it doesn't have eyes. Ah, it doesn't have eyes. That's that's where they draw the line. There's no eye in lettuce. (laughs) Um... So that's that's where, you know, the whole fucking quinoa thing came from. And I would just tell them, come on, man, just fucking quinoa. I mean, <laughs> I would rather see you eat some some beans. At least you're getting some good fiber in there and some protein. And, you know, they got to eat. Some, if you're going to be a vegan, you have to eat something. Right. And I would tell them to fill it out with beans if they have to. Um, 
But then again, that's not optimal to just eat beans all the time. No. You know, but it gets them closer. And as long as they eat a bunch of olives and avocados and, uh, you know, flaxseed and chia seeds and, and nuts and stuff like that that has good quality fat in it, they can do it. You know, but man, that, that it just seems so restrictive to me. Yeah. I didn't mean to go off on that rant. No, that's great. I, you know, I, I just want to take this where, wherever you wanted to. Um, but you know, I I love the variety. I mean, you were. By the way, you give a lot out there for free on your podcast and on your Twitter account, and you know, I appreciate that. But uh, the best the best tip I heard was the snack where you said you you cut up the olives and the avocado and the you know the sardines or the anchovies, and I, I like to mix it with a little olive oil, but it really fills me up and I feel satisfied after that. Yeah. It, it almost feels, you know, people go, isn't that too much fat? It's like, <laughs> think about that. Sardines are full of good nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, you have omega threes, you have everything you need, you know, olives. There's nothing more pure than an olive. Right. You can go back to biblical times and they were eating olives. Uh, avocados, you find a better fruit in the world than an avocado. I dare you. Just doesn't exist, and sometimes and, and cheese. I mean, what's better than cheese? And sometimes I don't have time to go eat lunch, and I'll just go in the kitchen, just dump a bunch of olives on the plate, dump yeah. some some sardines or some uh, anchovies on the plate with it, some cheese, cut up an avocado, yeah, come back to my desk, and I'm set. I mean, if I'm you set. don't feel satisfied after a few slices or a few pieces of Havarti cheese, come on. I mean. I yeah. love cheese. Yeah, and there's so many types of cheeses out there, and it's just, you know. Now, look, some people have trouble with dairy. I get that, you know, but uh, if you can handle it, I tell people to handle it. Not a big deal. Yeah, I understand it. Now, if uh, if we have time, I have some, some questions for you. My wife helped me come up with these because I know a lot of the answers to these, but I'm going to assume a lot of my listeners are, aren't as familiar with you, but uh, – what do you do when you go into an ASAG situation? That would be all sugars, all grains. You know, the stick to your ribs, well, stick to your ass and hips and everything else, food, like family gatherings, restaurants. Uh, before I answer that, is this your wife in the picture with you? Yeah. All right, come on, dude. How did you get that? You know, I was prepared for you to ask me that, by the way, because I get asked that all the time. The question is, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You know, maybe it's my wit, maybe it's my charm. I I am fairly a good-looking guy, but uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm looking at this side by side. You're not that good-looking. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Compared to her, she, you know, she's a smoke show for sure. I'm yeah, a lucky guy. Uh, I don't know what else to say. And she's she's the real deal. She's the total package. Yeah, you must be hung like a Shetland pony. Well, that so. was the other thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm looking at I'm looking at this picture the whole time, going, "That's gotta be that can't be the wife, right?" And, that is the wife. Well, that's my and that that picture, you know, that's me at my peak too. That's before things started going downhill. Yeah, because it's still it looks like you know Stockholm syndrome. It looks like you kidnapped this woman. And that's funny because she's a nurse, but uh, but uh, you know, look at her. Yeah, she's she's a she's gorgeous. And the nurse, man, you know, the nurses, they, they make you do it over and over yep. and take your medicine. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> Damn right. Okay, all sugars, all grains. You're in a situation where, you you know, you're going to a party or something. Is that what we're talking about? Party, or in my case, the in-laws who like to, you know, they have vegetables there, but they make them as unhealthy as possible, fry them, whatever they need to do. 
Yeah, you sound like you're from the South, right? I am from Missouri, so I'm not from the South. But I have family in Chicago. They they say I talk like a hillbilly. So yeah, you do. You sound like you're from Kentucky or something. Oh man. Um. Okay. So I tell people, you know, like what a lot of people try to do in those situations. They go, okay. I know I'm going to the in-laws and everything's going to be fried and crappy and this and that and the other thing. So what they do is they will actually skip a meal. So And because they think calorie in, calorie out matters, it's like, okay, I'm just going to skip a meal and, and the whole thing. And I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to just try to eat as little as possible. What I tell people to do is exactly the opposite. Be sated when you walk in. Eat something high in good quality fats before you go there get yourself sated Mm -hmm. right and when you get there now you don't really have to eat right you're not hungry to eat now you can just pick around and you understand what i'm saying yes sir like not everything is going to be bad there right there's got to be something you can eat yeah you know there's always a meat there's always a vegetable, you know. So it's it's not all bad, no. But it's it's really tough. Well, the worst part is, you know, everyone feels sorry for you, like you're depriving yourself. Why, why don't you just have a piece? It's like you're hurting their feelings, and I'm like, no, I I really feel good eating these foods. If you know, if I wanted to, I, I would. But you know, have that piece of cake or have that piece of fried chicken. I don't even explain it to them. What I what I do is I will actually, and I do this a lot when I go over to people's home. I don't. Do the douchey move where I go, I don't eat rice. Right. <laughs> I just put everything on my plate. Yep. And no one re- you know, no one notices if you don't eat it. Right. You know, so you put everything on the plate with your meat. With, let's say it's fried chicken and whole thing. Just take the skin off, you know, the chicken since right. it's fried. Usually I tell people to eat the skin, you know, if you bake it with the skin on. The skin is good quality fat, but now they've put, you know, batter on the skin. So now the skin is deemed useless. Mm-hmm. Just work around the fried parts, eat the inside, throw a little rice on your plate. I, I always cover my plate like if there's a salad or something, I'll cover it with a lot of salad. And then I can hide stuff around the salad. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there are ways around that. Um, you know, look, if it's Thanksgiving time, I say go for it. Yeah. You know, but not every day is Thanksgiving. Well, what's that you say? Uh, it's not what you eat between uh... – Christmas and New Year's, it's what you eat between New Year's and Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you eat between Christmas and New Year's. It only matters what you eat between New Year's and Christmas. That was great, by the way. Yeah, one of my famous... Why am I not in the Urban Dictionary? I guess they don't put quotes in the <laughs> Urban Dictionary. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't made it there yet. Um, we've already discussed the benefits of NSNG, or a lot of it, but... And I know the answer to this question, but what makes you... What keeps you motivated to stay NSNG? Uh, it's easy for me. Uh, I, I'm i an old athlete, number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a lot of aches and pains. My, my right shoulder has been replaced. Uh, a lot of arthritis there. Uh, you know, I played football all the way through college. And um, when I eat sugars or grains, I feel it. Like literally feel severe pain. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's number three. Number two is more and more studies are showing that, um, you know, people who are who can end up with Alzheimer's and these types of things and all sorts of memory loss problems, especially guys who played ball for 11, 12 years. um, You know, a lot of these guys are dribbling in cups now, you know, their brains are going to mush. And the more and more I read about, you know, eating a high fat ketogenic style diet, 
the better it is for you. Um, I'm hoping that that will carry me through the years. Um, I don't have any hard data on that, but that's just a dream. Uh, but the number one reason was, and you read this in a book. Absolutely. Um, I literally almost died in 2007. I, I thought I was the healthiest person on the planet. I, I could ride a bike 500 miles. And I'm not kidding about that, folks. 500 miles at a clip. So impressive. Um, and did these races where we would just stay on the bikes for days at a time. And you have a crew following you around, handing you fresh water and food. <clears throat> so I thought I was the healthiest guy in the world. And it turns out I was so close to death, it was unbelievable. Um, I, I was in the later stages of uh, leukemia. And uh, by some miracle, I lived. And uh, when I lived, I asked my doctor, you know, because living out in California where I do, you know, the land of the fruits and nuts, um, when, when I got cured from cancer, everyone was like, you know, hey, you got to get on a macro diet. You need to be on a micro diet. You need to eat. I know this guru over on the west side in Santa Monica. You could go see this guy, and he will hook a spigot up to your asshole and pump <laughs> you know toxins out of your body with the colonics once a week for the rest of your life. And you will. So, I asked my doctor, who's a top-rated you know blood specialist, and I said, "Look, you know, everyone's telling me I should do everything from eat." you know, a boatload of veggies every day to hooking a, a hose up to my asshole. Is there any truth behind any of it? And she said, no, there isn't. I said, is there anything I should be doing not to have this cancer come back one day before it's supposed to? Uh, and she said, well, more and more studies are showing that sugar has a lot to do with people, you know, the recurrence of cancer and causing cancer to grow. She goes, you know, you know, studies are still out, and but more and more. And we're talking now; they're talking about that more and more in 2016. But in 2007, there wasn't a whole lot of information. This was early talk. Mm -hmm. So that next year, when I got back on my bike to prove that I could go 500 miles after cancer, I did that, and I was using a lot of sugar on the bike, and I was getting stomach upset and all that, like I always did. And um, I said to myself, this is it. I'm going to learn how to ride the bike using fat. And I'm going to learn how to do all of my aerobics using fat. So that's what I did and been doing it ever since. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. And all the things you talk about in your podcast, you know, where you can – you don't have the hunger pains. If you miss a meal, you don't notice it, you know, because your body is – I mean, basically, you're making it a fine-tuned machine. Right. Yeah, your body starts running. You know, I always had somewhat of a two-faced approach um, to the whole fat, calorie in, calorie out. Yeah, um, I never believed in calorie in, calorie out. With my clients in Hollywood, um, and that's the part we haven't talked about. I work with a lot of ingenues and celebrities and this sort of thing. And they want to go from a size two to a size zero because that all matters here. And, um, you know... It's always been my trade secret to just get them off of all sugars and grains and just have them eat fat, mm -hmm. you know, to keep them sated. And that's worked just fine. But whenever I have these, you know, soccer moms uh, who drive around in the Range Rovers who want to be triathletes, I would have them eating a lot of sugars and grains, you know, just to carb up. Right. 
And that was the part of my approach that I changed in 2007. I had everyone, including myself, go off of, you know, even the athletes. So it wasn't just the, the red carpet walkers. I had everyone move over to fat. And it works just fine. It, not just fine. It works actually better than sugar because you never get bloated. You never get inflammation. You never get any of that stuff that we get from sugars and grains. Well, you get way more mileage out of fat than you do out of sugar for sure. Oh, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even if calorie in, calorie out worked, you're miserable. And yeah, you're because starving. you're, you're you yeah, you're starving half the time. You know, and and it and if it works, it doesn't work for long because eventually you you get back to eating and you go back to your bad habits and look what happens. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow. a truer statement has never been spoken. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that firsthand. I have no background whatsoever in this, but you know, just just from experience, you know, just from knowing your body and listening, you know, listen, listen to your body when you're hungry, listen to your body when you're not hungry. And you don't force yourself to eat meals. You don't force yourself to not eat meals. Yeah. So let me ask you, uh, you've been podcasting. How long have you been podcasting? Let me interview you for a second before we oh, have really? to go. Absolutely. Sure. So I am still trying to find my voice. I just, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I never think you know, I've heard you talk about this before. You know, you're always striving to be better. You're always looking for that recognition, you know, and I, I always am. And I always think I have something to say. And I'm really, I've been podcasting a little over a year. I'm really just trying to find my voice. I used to pander to try to get listeners. And now I'm just, I'm just going to talk about whatever I want to talk about and, and see what happens. And lo and behold, that first podcast I did, it was NSNG. And, you know, and it, I, I'm just very flattered that uh, that you thought it was, it was a good a good podcast and you know I listen to yours regularly oh thank you and and I listened to it and you did a great job with it and uh I gotta be honest you know it sounds like you do have a voice you're very comfortable uh you're very intuitive uh with with the interview yeah uh you know a lot of times I do a lot of other people's shows you know uh anyone who asks me to be on I don't care if you have five listeners or 500,000 listeners I do them all and um you know, sometimes people just don't know how to interview. You know, like I can say something really egregious like, yeah, I just raped a nun. And they'll go, okay, so tell me about that time you and Anna. It's like, wait, did you not – you can't do a follow-up question on I raped a nun? Not that I think nun rape is okay. No, no. Um, but, you know, they won't – you know, they, they stick to their script and you don't do that. You seem to have a voice. Thank you. Um, so kudos to you. Um you, you know, I, I, I wish you luck in the space, you know, and, and if I could give you any advice, you know, people ask me all the time <clears throat> because our podcast is, is somewhat popular and they say, how did you do it? And the answer is we just do it a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I put up four shows a week. Um, I'm told that's to my detriment because I'm told I would have way more listeners if I put up less shows. Um, but it seems to work for us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we stay true to the form. You know, we, it's never forced. We never write anything down. There's no agenda. Uh, the original agenda was to get popular on the internet so that I can sell the book. Right. Uh, there's never been a make money aspect to it. Um, as a matter of fact, for, for the first year or so, because the podcast got big pretty quickly, all of that money was getting, you know, the bandwidth just bandwidth alone started costing money. And uh, I, I was pulling that out of my pocket. This podcast actually cost me money wow. for well over the first year. 
um, not a lot of money at first, but then it got bigger and bigger. But by that point, we had the super fan page and people were giving us donations and we did the Amazon click throughs. And one of the early sponsors was Vitamix, um, which paid some bills. And, and then Villa Capelli came along and uh, Squatty Potties and the Audible.coms of the world started paying us and uh, Amazon got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we started Pure Vitamin Club. So, you know, when people say, well, how did... How do you make money doing that? It's like, well, it it didn't come fast, but it's coming now. Yeah. You know, and we're not trying to sell people in anything. It's all just the way radio is done. You know, listen to the show and, and support our sponsors and we're happy. Well, I'm happy that you're doing it. And uh, like I said, you've helped me tremendously. I'd, you know, I'd love to return the favor on a Saturday show if you're up for it. Oh, absolutely. Love to have you on. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we can record, hmm, I'd like to say today, but believe it or not, I'm doing, not including this podcast, I'm doing four other podcasts today. Oh my gosh. Um, we need, can, you have my email address, right? My Yes, sir. Regular. Write to me today so I can figure out something to put in the schedule and we'll do a Saturday show with you. Okay. Love to have you on, man. And we could talk about your show and maybe get a couple of listeners to go over and listen to you and, and that sort of thing. Uh, that would be great. Are we friends on Facebook? Because I need to stalk your wife. Well, here's the deal. I tried to, but you you, you need to stalk my wife. I, but you have the max uh, amount. So I'm on Facebook as Aaron Weinbaum. I like the picture with you and your dog just so you'd see I was stalking you first. Let's see here. Okay. All right. A few people have dropped out. I'm at... I, I hate that we call these friends because yeah. I don't know 5,000 people. No, I understand. Um, it's like I have 5,000 friends. I have 4,997 friends right now. So okay. you can send the thing right now and then I will friend you back. Gotcha. And then uh, then I can stalk your wife because <laughs> I got to see that POA. <laughs> She's a hot number. No, no doubt. I outlive yeah. my coverage. I hear that all the time. I'm like looking at that going, th th this is not right. You shouldn't be. <laughs> How old are you guys, you and the wife? Uh, I am 42 and she is 32. She is, okay, okay. She's going to wake up one day, right? No I mean, way. You know what? We have we, we have uh, six kids together. So two mine, two hers, and two ours. So she's going to be stuck with me for a while. We got aging from one and a half years old to 16. Wow, you're like the Brady Bunch. I am. Yeah, well, dude, yeah, you, you, let me tell you something, man. You overshot right there. And, uh, hey, I think that's a compliment, you. you know? Yeah, it is. It, it is. It's, uh, you definitely did well. I know it sounds like I'm ogling your wife and I that's am, right. but I'm a I, 30 I old man. Serena. I feel the same. So, yeah, look, I definitely hit the lottery. There, there's no, no one will ever try to deny that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were both lucky in life. Well, this has been a real slice for me. This has been great. But I got to go get that big-boobed Anna Vocino <laughs> on the line so that we can record our own show. All right. So that people can keep listening. Um, when does this come out? Are you going to put it out on the Twitters and all that? So I that would I can... put it out there. I will either have it out by tomorrow or Wednesday at the latest. God, I hope I did well. Did I do okay? I think you did well. I hope I did well. No, man. Listen, you're so natural on the mic. You should do really. I'm telling you, you're gonna do great in the space. I, I appreciate that, and, I, and uh, you know, it's 
things like that that will keep me plugging away for sure. Is, is there anything you'd like to say on your way out? Anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, hey, look, folks, just go check out vintagetotteries.com. It's all free. You know, everything is there for free. I'm, I'm on the Twitter. You can go there. And uh, I have a company called purevitaminclub.com. Uh, I make the world's only pure vitamins. They're not some kind of bastardized company. I make it's as pure as you're going to get. And uh, I like to call them the, the Toyota of vitamins. You get top quality at a low price. So go check out purevitaminclub.com. And the book we were talking about, I don't know if we actually said the name of my book. I did at the beginning, but please feel free to mention it again. Yeah, it's called Fitness Confidential, and uh, I like that. I, I like that people like the book. All right, I just got to be honest. Well, I love the book. All right, well, well I, hey, I am. I will get in touch with you as soon as this is done, and I, I look forward to talking with you again. Cool, man. You have a good day. All right, you too. Thank you. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. So on uh, that note, we are going to end. Thank you again so much, Vinny for being on my show and uh, remember for all things Aaron please help support the podcast and visit AaronSaysWhat.com until next time so